episode 5 scared shitless is an understatement. As always, welcome back to Unbashful. I'm your host, Nicholas Doucette, and today is going to be a Halloween special, and so is the next episode. It's actually going to be a two-part episode, so I'm very excited to get into this. I got a lot of fun movies we're going to talk about here, probably a lot of movies that most people have seen and uh, watched themselves. However, maybe you'll find a movie on your list here that you think uh, is a good recommendation. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get started here. So topic number one. These are the top five films, top five horror films that made me cringe, right? Now, don't get that last word mistaken. When I say cringe, I don't mean cringe in, 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 the, in the aspect of the film was terrible and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to watch a single second. It's so, it's films that were genuinely like disturbing and super gruesome and, and just generally just very difficult to watch and there was moments that really made me fucking cringe and like I had to almost look away. Um, so let's get started. Now, uh, most of these lists are in an order. So we're going to start from the fifth best, uh, or I guess the least best out of the five, and then progressively make our way to number one on the list. So like I said, top five films that made me cringe. Started with number five, we got Saw 5. Now, if anybody's seen Saw, everybody knows Saw for the gore and not so much, um, how scary it can be because I think most people can agree it's not the most uh, frightening film uh, by any means but it's very uncomfortable to watch for a lot of people and who knows maybe some people do think it's scary that's up to you I guess and your film horror tolerance but for me personally I don't believe the films are very scary at all I just think they're very gruesome but anyways Saw 5 now when I think of Saw 5 the the first the goriest moment and the moment that really made me cringe while, um, <clears throat> excuse me, while watching that film was the scene with the one trap. It was, uh, the guy and the girl and, um, they had to reach for a key. And I think what they had to do to get the key was they had to reach their arm in this sort of like, uh, like rectangular long tube, but in the tube, there was saw blades in the middle. And the tube was so sorry. The tube was so small that there's no way they're gonna avoid their hand making contact with the saw. So in order to get it, the only way to do that was to literally put their whole arm through this tube to grab the key. And at the end, both their arms were like if you're if you're watching this, it'll be easier for for you to understand. But I'll try to explain in my best way possible. The saw went. Sorry, one second. Yeah, you guys ever get that when you get like. Uh, skin that's like you like bite your lip and whatever anyway sorry about that uh so the saw went through the middle of their arm and i think it was only one arm they had to do and um uh it was only one arm that they had to do and their arms were literally like split in half like their whole arm was split in half like it was like peeling apart it was absolutely disgusting and i'm gonna remember that scene probably for the rest of my life so that's number five. Number four, we got Gerald's Game. Uh, this film came out a couple of years ago. And uh, essentially, to give a brief... By the way, I just want to uh, preface uh, before we continue forward. Um, every film I'm going to talk about here, it's going to be open spoiler discussion. So I just want to warn you guys now. So if uh, if that's not something that you're into, then feel free to tune off. Um, 
But I just want to make that clear so nobody's surprised and like, oh, fuck, you just spoiled the movie for me. Now's your warning. I'm going to be talking open spoilers about every film on this list. I mean, some of these films I'm going to talk about here are like 30, 40 years old. So if you haven't seen it at this point, that's on you, bro. Uh, or girl. Um, so let's continue. Gerald's Game. So with Gerald's Game, this film is about a woman and, a, and, a, and her husband. They are uh, on like a little vacation and they're off to some cottage and you learn throughout the movie that the that the, the main protagonist, the main character of the film, uh, this woman has a very troubled past. Uh, she was sexually assaulted by her father and so on. And she has um, a lot of uh, personal issues. And her husband, in the beginning of the film, uh, the, 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 whole, the whole idea, sorry, the whole uh, issue of the film is that her and her husband are trying to have sex. And her husband is into this like weird, rapey sort of foreplay if you will and he uh handcuffs her to the to the bed and right before they actually have sex uh he like passes out um and i th- it's because i think it's because he takes it like a viagra and it like i think he has a heart attack uh, and he goes to cardiac arrest if i'm not mistaken so and he's the only he's the only person with the key and obviously at this point he had already uh um he had already attached his wife to the bed frame with her arms sort of like up, uh, uh, handcuffed to the uh, to the uh, to the to the headboard. So she's literally stuck there. Her husband could be dead, and she has to find a way to escape. And not to mention, uh, the door was left open, and they're in the middle of the woods. So like a a, a wild wolf or dog or something comes in the house and literally starts like munching on her husband's uh, like arm and shit and. But if I had to make a long story short and pick one part of that film that that just was absolutely just cringe-worthy to watch, just of how uncomfortable and disturbing it was, and I think everybody who's seen the film probably knows where I'm going with this, it's a scene towards the end of the film where she finally breaks free, but she literally, like, she breaks free from the uh, from the uh, handcuffs, and she gets her one, her, her one hand out by literally, like... I can't even explain. She like cut her whole fucking wrist open, and you see like all the tendons and all like the nerves and everything inside her hand. It was absolutely <laughs> horrifying. Um, but that was very very cringeworthy to watch. So that's Gerald's Game number four. You can find that movie on Netflix, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Here, number three is The Witch. Uh, the Witch is uh, a film by one of my favorite production companies. Uh, A24, every time A24 announces a new film, I'm always excited to go see it, uh, and you're going to notice there's quite a few A24 uh, films that are going to be on some of my lists here, uh, but The Witch, The Witch is about an old folk tale, and uh, it's about a family that is kicked out of their uh, home in uh, Massachusetts, I think old Boston, the film takes place in like the late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I don't know the exact time period, but it's it's a very old film. And uh, the main character is the older, the oldest daughter of this family, and she was in the beginning of the movie. She's playing peekaboo on the, like the grass with her youngest sibling, the the infant, whatever. And while she's playing peekaboo, the camera frame, uh, sorry, the, the camera is focusing on her. So it, before she says peekaboo, the camera focuses on the baby, and then when she says peekaboo, the camera comes back to her, and then it goes back to the baby. And then after a while. 
the camera goes back to the baby after she opens up her eyes and says peekaboo and the baby was right in front of her and then it's just gone. It disappeared. And then you see that the baby was actually in that five seconds while uh, Thomason was is, is the main character's uh, name. While she's closing her eyes to play peekaboo, th- this witch comes out of the woods and abducts the baby and runs off. And everybody knows where I'm going with this if you've seen the witch. Essentially this old witch uh, who kidnaps the baby is ha- is performing this uh, whatever witchcraft spell uh, so she can be younger. And she literally like, it's hard to describe, but it's Halloween, it's spooky month. So that's what this whole episode's about. It's all going to be about horror films, but she takes the baby and like cuts it up, but you don't see her cutting it up. You only see what the baby looks like after the fact and she has it in like a bowl and she's mashing it up like it's fucking mashed potatoes it's abs- it's it's gross it's cr- it's absolutely cringeworthy and while there isn't many cringeworthy moments in this film that one was just so downright disturbing that 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 was just enough to make it on my list here so that's the witch uh next we have hereditary Hereditary has it's an like I said it's another A twenty four film. Hereditary is littered with with uh, with uh, with excuse me with cringe moments. This film is just uh, everywhere you look. There's something fucked up going on in this film. And essentially, what uh, what this film is about the main uh, character Annie. She uh, her and her family. Um, the movie starts off with them at their uh, at her mother at her mother's funeral. And as the film progresses, you learn that the mother was involved with some cult stuff and and, 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 uh, and sort of like some witchcraft, but she never told Annie while she was growing up to like, you know, what she was doing. She was very secretive. And then as the film unfolds, you start to uncover secrets of the, of, of the family's legacy. And Annie is just, you know, learning everything for the first time, right? And meanwhile, she's, she's a full grown woman and she's got a family and they're all, they're all seeing everything that's happening too. And a bunch of fucked up shit uh, happens and essentially she goes batshit fucking crazy towards the end of the film and fully just gets like possessed. And I think if I had to pick one part of the film that was so cringy, but also kind of funny at the same time was when it was right during the climax of the film and Annie is just, like I said, she's, she's done. She's possessed. She's basically like her character's just fucked at this point. And the son, who's like the last one standing, he's just trying to fucking survive at this point. He has no fucking clue what's going on. And he hides in the attic of their house. And he thinks that he's getting away from his mom. Because at this point, his mom is literally like full on like demon mode. Like she's running up the walls and shit. So he's trying to hide from his mom. Because at this point, he's like, this is not my mom anymore. This is somebody trying to fucking kill me. So he hides in the the attic. But while he's in the attic, somehow his mom got up there. But his mom isn't trying to chase him. His mom's actually trying to like kill herself and she's hanging and she has this like this wire and she's just, it's going, it's through her neck, but she's doing this. She, and to, if you're not watching, she's basically just like pulling the wire back and forth from both her hands until it fully just detaches her head from her body. And she's watching her son as she's hanging from the ceiling doing this. And eventually she her head just detaches from her body and she just fucking falls to, to the ground. So yeah, pretty, pretty gruesome shit. Uh, so that's hereditary. Now 
this film I'm about to talk about. This is probably the most disturbing film, but also kind of funny at the same time. Uh, this is the most disturbing film I think I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of, you know, Saw is obviously up there. Uh, but when it comes to horror, gore is not the only thing that can make a movie uncomfortable to watch. And I'm going to explain why in a second um, with this film. So my number one film on my list for top five films that um, that made me cringe, I got Midsummer, which is another uh, which is another A24 film, and it was Ari Aster, who was the director of uh, Hereditary. It was his next big film that most people, myself included, were looking forward to. And overall, it was a great film. I love Midsummer um, as a pure horror movie. Nonetheless, it was very fucked up, and uh, and if you've seen Hereditary. Like I just explained, um, you could definitely tell the Ari Aster, uh, if, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, you could definitely tell that he directed this film. Uh, it had a lot of similarities, but it turned, it it took the fucked up parts of Hereditary and the disturbing, cringy scenes, and it just cranked that shit up times ten. So essentially, uh, to summarize what Midsummer is about, Midsummer is about uh, a college, or sorry, well. Here, here, let, let me rewind. The main character of the film, uh, she's a young girl and she, her family has just, uh, her whole family has just died. And basically, it's like one thing after another, uh, one terrible thing after another that keeps happening in her life. And she essentially just feels like her life is just fucking terrible. And from, from uh, the audience, from an audience member's perspective, like myself, it seems like her life is pretty down bad. So the movie opens up, uh, her family has all just died because her younger sister is, uh, I think she, uh, I think they said in the film that she was by, bi- she was bipolar. And I guess she had some manic episode and she locked her, she locked all the, the doors in the house and she started the car in the garage and left the door from the garage to the house open. So smoke would just infuse the entire house and, uh, it killed her and it uh, and it killed her her uh, her mother and father. But um, our our main character, she wasn't at the house at the time, uh, so her, her life is just fucked up right now, as anybody's life would be in that position. And her boyfriend, uh, her boyfriend is a uh, is is a needs to do a, um, a th- needs to find a thesis for some sort of uh, research project, and he wants to he he as well as his friends, they want to go to this. Uh, this sort of cult called uh, the Midsummer, and the Midsummer is actually a real thing. It's something that is actually uh, uh, something that happens in I think it's Sweden or Switzerland, but it's nowhere near as fucked up as a film makes it. Obviously, the it, it, it's a movie. It's gonna make everything you know more exaggerative. So, but it is a real thing. But not you know the the shit that goes on in the movie. I highly doubt it actually happens in in in, in real life. But so uh, the girl. Our main character, she is just really in need of, you know, uh, support and guidance. And she realizes that her boyfriend is planning on traveling to this Midsummer Festival uh, for, you know, research purposes to look for a thesis for an assignment as well. And he's also uh, doing this with his friends. And uh, uh, one of his friends in particular is doing the exact same thing as him. And then the other three, I think, are just tagging along just because it's a fun trip with the guys. And she gets word that they're going on this trip. And she's like, well you know, I really want to be with you and I literally have nobody since my whole family's fucking dead. Can I come with you? And he brings her along and needless to say, they go to this midsummer 
uh, festival and it's just one fucked up thing after another. It's, 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 it's a cult. It's a cult in the movie and the movie, the first hour of the film sort of drags. However, it's, there's just a lot of character development that's being built obviously with our main character, but once you hit that hour mark of this film, it, it, it just doesn't stop from there. It's just absolutely just fucking crazy. And there's many fucked up, gruesome parts of this film. But I think the one that catches me off guard the most. Okay, there's two. I'm going to pick two. The first one I'm going to pick is the one is the first the first one I'm going to pick is when you hit the hour mark of this film. Not like exactly the six, 60th minute, but like when, when shit really starts to get crazy. And what happens in that scene is um, the characters go to bed the night before. And the main lady that runs this thing, uh, th- that runs this festival, she's like, you know, make sure you guys get a good night's sleep tomorrow. We have this uh, we have this sort of festival that we're going to be doing for our two elders, right? And during... Uh, that day, let me actually rewind a little bit more. The guy, their sort of tourist guide, warns them sort of how the hierarchy of this cult works. They say, you know, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's something along the lines of like, from ages like you know, five to like twelve, you're like a kid, and then uh, from like fifteen to or from like twelve to like twenty, you're like. I, I don't know, but basically towards the end of that list, he says, once you reach 75, he looked at the characters and he basically just like did this. And what, if you're, if you're not watching and you're wondering what I just did, he essentially did the sort of like, uh, you know, when people like, I don't know how to explain it. Like he basically did like the cutting throat sort of like hand gesture, but it, you know, they all kind of thought he was just kidding. Right. He didn't think he was speaking literally. So the festival that they were being told by, I'm just going to call her like the headmaster. When the headmaster said, okay, everybody, make sure you guys get a good night's sleep because uh, the elders have their big sort of festival tomorrow. That is what that was for. They reached 75. They were old as fuck. And essentially it was time for them to die. So, but they were, but, but that's like, that is their way of life. They welcomed it, right? They weren't scared, but it was so fucked up and it caught everybody off guard. Essentially what happens is everybody from this cult uh, is, 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 is ground level. And they're looking up top at this, uh, at this sort of like cliff and the, the two old people that have, you know, sort of reached their maximum life, uh, you know, limit in this cult's rules, they straight up jump off this cliff and the film does not shy away from showing what happens when, as soon as their bodies land, this is probably like, I want to say like a 50 foot cliff and they just head on and it's pretty gruesome the first woman jumps off and her head just like fucking explodes like you obviously it's you know not real but it's a, it's a movie but they make it look pretty fucking real like you literally see like her face is just no more it's just open and then when the when the second elder jumps when the second old person jumps he doesn't actually fully die because he lands on his feet so his legs are broken legs are fucked the bones popping out and shit but he's still alive barely so he has to die. So the el- so uh, some of the other people from the crowd that were watching from below, they come up with this like big ass hammer and they just bash his fucking head in. And it was, it was pretty, it was pretty fucked up. So anyways, that's going to wrap up uh, top five films that made me cringe. Next on our list, we got top five films that 
uh, terrified me as a kid. Um, I'm sure a lot of you could probably relate. There's probably films you watched as a kid that scared the living shit out of you. But as you obviously got older, you know, that's not the case anymore. And you can look at it as almost from a comedic standpoint, if you will. Like, damn, this really fucking scared me. But nonetheless, uh, these films that I named, they scared the living shit out of me as a kid. And that sort of goes back to the title of this episode, Scared... Scared shitless is an understatement because these films are so fucking scary. Like for me to just say like I was scared shitless, genuinely it's an understatement in today's topic. So top five films that scared me as a kid. So number five, I got I got the Halloween that was directed by Rob Zombie. Now for any diehard Halloween fans, you know, I've, I've seen most people say like uh, the Halloween from I think it was 2007. That one, the one that I'm talking about right now is probably the, like the least favorite out of, you know, Halloween fans. And it's definitely not the best, but as a kid, like I didn't look at films from like that much of a critical standpoint. So when I watched that film, uh, it scared the living fuck out of me. And I think I briefly explained uh, this story that I'm about to tell on last week's episode. But if you didn't watch last week's episode, I'll fill you guys in right now. Uh, when this, when Halloween came out, uh, my mom took me to go see it. My mom had no idea that the film was rated R. Uh, she knew what Halloween was. She knew what Michael Myers was. But she, I, I guess she just didn't think the, the film was rated R. And we got 20 minutes into that film. And, you know, murders and shit are happening. And keep in mind, I'm like, I'm like eight, seven years old at this point. And my mom immediately grabbed my ass, yanked me out of the fucking theater. I was so disappointed. I was like, please let me stay here and finish. Please, I really, really want to finish. Uh, a couple years later, when I was like 10, I ended up actually fully watching the film. Still scared the shit out. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Still scared the shit out of me. Just taking a sip of my water here. Anyways. Uh, yeah, that film scared the living shit out of me. So that's number five. Uh, number four, got The Others. Uh, the Others was a big one. Essentially, uh, it's it's a... It's a, it's a, it's, um, it's a ghost film and this family's living at this, you know, mansion and it's in like the, I think it takes place during like World War One like that sort of time period of like the, you know, early 1900s, like 19, like 14 to like 18 or whatever. Uh, and it's this mother and her kids and her husband is sort of gone for war and they're experiencing like the kids more specifically, they're, they're constantly hearing ghost voices and whatnot. And then big plot twist, you actually find out at the end of the film that they, in fact, are actually the ghosts. And the, in the ghosts, I say that in air quotes, that the kids thought they were speaking to were actually real people. And the real people were talking to them, which they are the ghosts. If that makes any sense. I know that's sort of confusing. But let me try to break that down in simpler terms. You're watching... Excuse me one sec. Sorry, I'll be right back. So yeah, like I said, let me break it down in simpler terms. So it's a family and they think that they are experiencing, you know, paranormal sort of uh, encounters through their house and they think it's ghosts. More specifically, the kids think it's ghosts, but you realize at the end of the film that they are actually the ghosts and they were scaring the shit out of real people. So that's the big plot twist. I thought that was really cool, but that film used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. Um, all right, so number four, like I said, that was the others. Now, number three, this one is probably going to seem kind of funny to you guys, but I don't know what it was with this film, but Coraline, Coraline's number three, Coraline w 
that movie just like made me just terrified. It just freaked me out. Now, if you don't know for uh, what Coraline is, Coraline is is uh, is an animated film, and it's not really like specifically a horror movie, but it's just like if anybody can relate to this, the, the animation of the film and like what happens, how this woman, how this girl essentially goes through like a little. Uh, little passageway through her house and then she's boom in some other you know universe whatever and everybody in that universe has like buttons for eyes it just i don't know what it was that film just scared the fuck out of me as a kid and it just just made me like really like anxious and just like Ugh. and I, I i couldn't i couldn't like stand watching that movie like it was it just i don't know what it was it wasn't like i said it wasn't necessarily a horror film it just really just like freaked me out with like the aesthetic and you know, the characters, and overall, it was a good movie, but obviously, it did its job, it freaked me out, but yeah, that movie terrified me as a kid, so that is Coraline, now, number two and number one are honestly interchangeable for my list, personally, uh, these films both scared the living fuck out of me, um, as, as a kid, all right, mm, do I want to change these, or should I leave them, no, we're gonna stick with the list here, so, number two, I got E.T., now, if anybody hasn't seen E.T., E.T. is not a horror film. E.T. is not a horror film. So you're probably going to ask yourself, well, why the fuck do you have it on your list? Because there's elements of that film that scared the shit out of me as a kid. And I'm going to name a couple examples, but for those of you who haven't seen E.T., it's a really you know, old film at this point. Uh, it came out, I think, in the 80s, and essentially it's about a little boy, and he befriends an alien that's like hiding in his backyard, and he shelters it, and eventually his family finds out that it's there, and then eventually the town catches word that it's there, and then, you know, NASA and everything. It just progressively gets worse and worse and worse. However, their main, uh, the main character, Elliot, develops a really good friendship and bond with the alien, which he never inevitably calls E.T., which stands for extraterrestrial. You know, big brain there. Um, so him and E.T. develop this great bond, this great friendship, and eventually he has to say bye-bye, and he leaves off with his buddies, and he helps him get back to whatever planet he came from, but before E.T. and, sorry, I hit the mic there, before E.T. and Elliot actually meet each other, and, you know, start hanging out, and they're friends and whatnot, E.T. was scaring the shit out of me, especially when Elliot, that first scene when Elliot hears something in his, um, in his backyard, in his, like, shed, and he has a baseball, and he hears something in the shed, and he throws the baseball in the shed, and then the baseball just pops back out, so some something obviously threw it back, right, it's not like it, you know, the way it came back couldn't have been from, like, a bounce, if you know what I mean, like, it, like if you threw it off of, like, I don't know, like, if you threw it off a wall, probably you would just land on the ground, you know, gravity, right, but something obviously threw the baseball back at him, which was a inevitably et uh but that and then he ran inside that scared the shit out of me as a kid that freaked me out and then the next uh the next part of that film that really spooked me as a kid was when et or sorry was when elliot was really onto something he knew like okay there is something like in my backyard whether it's a person or a dog or animal whatever um and he decides to sit outside and essentially wait for this thing to reveal itself and he tries to sort of like uh, get it to come out the shadows, if you will, by holding out um, or, or he's like lying on like a lawn chair and he has a blanket over him, but he pours Skittles on the blanket to sort of 
Uh, actually, sorry, I don't think he he I don't think he actually did that to uh, attract the alien to him. I think he just generally was just eating Skittles. So my bad. He was just eating Skittles. Nonetheless, he was sitting lying outside at night on his lawn chair, you know, waiting to see if this thing would come out the shadows. And he fell asleep while out there, and then he wakes up because E.T. walks up to him and grabs, and you don't fully see him, you just see, like, his hand, his, like, gross little fucking sausage finger-looking hand, reaches over, grabs the Skittles, and that, ugh, that just, like, to this day, that just, like, you, I, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Obviously, it doesn't scare me anymore. I'm, I'm a grown man now, but uh, as a kid, that movie used to scare the living shit out of me. So, number one is, moving on to number one, number one on my list here is Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity, now that whole franchise really started, really took a, a, a um, really took a, a thick, a hefty decline, and I think after, I think one through three were, were, were good. The first three films were good, I enjoyed them, but I think everything after, I think there's like eight of them now, and I think they just announced they're making a ninth one. But all those ones, wasn't the biggest fan of them. I think they were sort of just trying to make as much money and cash in as they can. But the first one in, in particular, the first one will always be my favorite personally. But the first Paranormal Activity, holy shit. Now, the movie's really only shot in one room. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is back in the early 2000s when, you know, handheld you know, footage was like, that was like the... The next big, you know, trend in, in Hollywood with a lot of films like Blair Witch and so on, film in, in Cloverfield. Uh, so the whole film is filmed, <laughs> film filmed is with this woman's like uh, camcorder, and she has it planted in her room because her and her boyfriend they think there's paranormal activity taking place in their house. So the whole film was pretty much shot just in their room. Now towards the end. Uh, you do like the camera, you know, I think the guy picks up the camera and you see more of the house, but for the most part, it's just shot in the room. And while that film today isn't very scary, uh, it scared the, it terrified me as a kid. When I watched that film, I think I was like nine or eight. It scared me so much. I had to sleep with my fucking older sister at the time. I had to sleep in her bed because I just could not be alone. I was mortified. I was freaked the fuck out, especially towards the end of the film when like the girlfriend just goes batshit crazy and she's fully possessed, full demon mode, and like kills her boyfriend, and that shit freaked me out as a kid. One of my favorite parts, uh, scenes from that film, is when they're trying to because they hear footsteps and they're like, okay, let's see if we can actually prove that there is real footsteps and we're not just hearing this. So they put like salt or some sort of powder, kind of genius to be honest. They put it all over their floor so when they're asleep. Uh, and you know this thing is walking around their house. They'll be able to see if somebody stepped in uh, the powder or the sugar or whatever the fuck they put on the floor. It could have been cocaine for all I know. I don't know. But and they did that and it, and it ended up working. They ended up finding you know tons of little footsteps everywhere. So uh, yeah, paranormal activity scared the living shit out of me. Uh, so that's gonna wrap up top five films that terrify me as a kid. Um, next, we're gonna move on to top five possession films now this list was very tough i love horror films but if i had to pick like my favorite you know sort of subgenre to watch it would probably be like demonic possession films those to me are the scariest because me personally i i do believe in like ghosts and shit like that so you know since i believe that shit it makes it even that much more scarier when i watch it so those are my favorite kind of films 
uh, possession films. One sec, I'm just going to take a sip of water here. Okay, starting with number five. I got The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Now, this film is actually based off a true story. Uh, it's Now, the main character, the woman who is being, you know... Uh, possess in the film her name actually isn't uh, emily rose in the in in real life i think her family out of respect for them i think they wanted her name to be changed so they did that but all the events of the film uh are they uh, are real they did take place and they did happen essentially most of the film co- is coming from the perspective of a lawyer and what is happening is she is defending this priest uh because he is being um He's being charged for essentially murder because he was the one that performed the exorcism for Emily Rose, and she inevitably died during that exorcism. So, the this uh, this um this case is going to trial, and he is pleading not guilty uh, for essentially being accused of you know murdering this young girl Emily Rose, and it's really fucked up. And I, that is one film I'm not going to spoil. I do actually want people to watch the film because. The ending of the film and the verdict, essentially, what the judge decided was very, very interesting. And also, when you do watch the film afterwards, make sure you watch, uh, check out BuzzFeed's video uh, talking about the full on, like, you know, true story, you know, the real girl's name. And there's actual, like, tapes you can listen to from the exorcism of the girl, like, speaking tongue and, like, and, and revealing, like, her, her demon identity. It's really fucking scary, but really, really cool. So, top five possession films, uh, that's going to be on my list here. Now, before we move on to number four, I am just going to quickly take a five-second break and go grab a quick snack, and I'll be right back. So, anyways, uh, episode, or sorry, uh, number four I got for top five possession films, I have Insidious. Uh, Insidious is one of my all-time favorite horror films, and I love this film, and essentially what it's about is this little boy goes into what the family thinks is a coma when he goes to sleep. Meanwhile, what he actually has done, he's uh, been uh, astral projected to some other realm and he's being held captive by this demon who's essentially torturing him and torturing his whole family. So really, really good film. That scared the hell out of me as a kid. And moving on to uh, number three. So... Getting back to the list here, um, for the top five possession films, I got number three is Annabelle Creation. Now, uh, that might be controversial for some people because I, I, I think the majority of people who've seen and kept up with the whole Conjuring universe and the, um, and more specifically the Annabelle universe, I think most people probably weigh towards uh, Annabelle, just like that film, rather than Annabelle Creation. But for me personally, I really... I did enjoy Annabelle, but I really enjoyed how the ending of the film of Annabelle creation after, you know, the whole character development of the entire movie of the little girl eventually uh, tying directly in to where Annabelle, that film began. So really big fan of that movie. Um, That's definitely one of my favorite uh, possession films. Um, This was probably the toughest list out of all of them to make in terms of possession films because there is there's just so many like there there's just so there's the devil inside there's um the uh i'm drawing a blank here it's i think it's something along the lines of the taking of deborah deborah something if you guys know feel free to leave 
to correct me down below in the comment section. But that is going to be number three, Annabelle Creation. Moving on to number two. These bottom two here are fantastic choices here. So I have uh, The Conjuring right now. The con Yeah. So number two, sorry. Number two, I have The Conjuring 2. Now, with The Conjuring 2, I love that film. It was the, it was the introduction to uh, The Nun, Valak, although her specific film, The Nun, in my opinion, was a little bit of a dis... Uh, actually, it was very disappointing, but... Valak the Nun in Conjuring 2 was incredibly frightening. I mean, it just the facial structure of like that actress who played her at it, it's just very in the eyes, it, it would just get me every time. It was fucking terrifying. So, uh, the Conjuring 2, then we have uh, the Conjuring, like the, the first Conjuring. I think anybody that's, I think anybody that's seen The Conjuring knows how much of a classic it is, and and it, it's definitely ranked up there all time with uh, with some of the best um, horror movies in in that genre. And more specifically, I personally believe it is the best possession film of all time, hands down. There's been some great ones. Obviously, you have classics like the original Exorcist. Um, you know, there. If you really go down the list, I'm sure you could probably make a case for any of them. But at the end of the day, film is subjective. Um, there's no objective way to grade a film saying, oh, this is better than that. Or At the end of the day, these are my personal opinions. However, I personally believe, feel free to disagree, but I personally believe that The Conjuring is by far goaded the best possession film of all time until proven otherwise. So that's going to conclude top five possession films. Moving on to our final list here uh, before we wrap up and conclude today's episode, I got top five Halloween classics. Uh, these are my personal Halloween classics. These are the films that every Halloween uh, that I immediately just gravitate towards and I watch. Now, with the other films I listed, yes, I'll watch them on Halloween, but they're genuinely such good films that I feel like I can watch them almost any time of the year, if that makes any sense. Like, obviously, during Halloween, you want to watch scary horror movies but with those films i feel like they can just be watched almost any time but with these halloween classic films these films in my opinion are very 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 niche halloween if that makes any sense so top five halloween classics number five we are gonna go with monster house uh i know monster house isn't the scariest film out there but you know i grew up in uh, i was born in 2000 so you know i grew up in those early 2000s during my my childhood days and Monster House for me, just an all-time classic. I went to go see it with my buddies when it came out and it really just made you want to go out and just trick-or-treat as a kid. It really kind of delved into that Halloween spirit. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, basically I'll give it, you know, a short little synopsis here. Uh, these uh, these two friends are, are hanging out, you know, prior to Halloween. Just They're, they're kind of transitioning to that period where like they're still young enough to trick-or-treat. Uh, but they're also getting to that point where they might consider just skipping it uh, that year. But the one friend, I think his name is uh, Chowder, he is like still all in. He still wants to trick or treat, still wants to go out and stay up all night and, you know, get as much candy as he can. Well, as the other friend, I can't remember his name, haven't seen the movie in uh, uh, quite a while, but the other, uh, the other friend is the one who's starting to say, you know what, maybe we should start to consider, you know, we're getting older, maybe we should, you know, consider stop trick or treating. So. They're sort of conflicted there. One guy wants a trick-or-treat while the other is kind of leaning towards the sides of, I think we're, you know, getting a little old and, uh, you know, old. They're like 13 in the movie. 
maybe, you know, we should, we should probably stop so we look cool or whatever. I don't know. Um, but during the film, the constant, uh, the constant problem is the neighbor living across the street from our two main characters. And his name is, I think his name is Mr. Never Neville Cracker or something. And basically his house is just, it's, it's, it's a haunted house. There's a bunch of spooky things in there and, you know, they get swallowed in the house and they get spit back out and it eventually turns into this own eventual, you know, being in the house literally just starts eating everything and all time classic. Anybody that's seen the mon I've never talked to a person that doesn't like the monster house. So, uh, one of my favorite Halloween classics for sure. Then I got the original Halloween that was made in like uh, the 80s or whatever. The original Halloween, that one is... I'm not the biggest fan of the Halloween franchise, if I'm going to be quite frank. Um, I do really like the uh, the one that came out in 2019. That one was actually incredible. It's, it's actually probably my favorite Halloween film out of the entire franchise. And I know there's been a lot. There's like Halloween Resurrection 2, 3, and 4. So... I know, and, and obviously the Rob Zombie ones, uh, but I really like Halloween 2019. I think that would probably be my favorite. However, the, I, the first one, like the first ever Halloween, second favorite, and it's it's, it's definitely a classic. You have to throw it on the list. Uh, so that at number four. Number three, this one is a really, really good one. I got Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs could have easily been, if I'm going back to my list here, man, I could have really put it on top five films that made me cringe. I could have even put it on top five films that terrify me as a kid because I watched this movie as a kid with my with my dad and it fucking freaked me out. Hannibal Lecter used to scare the shit out of me. I used to get nightmares that I'd wake up in the middle of the night and he'd be sitting on a fucking you know stool in my corner, just giving me those like those looks that he gives in the movie when he those hard, long, extensive blinks. But yeah, so Silence of the Lambs, uh, classic. You know, can't go wrong there. Uh, number two, I got The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense, uh, for me, I'd probably say it's my favorite M. Night uh, Shyamalan film. Uh, essentially, what the movie is about, um, it's sort of similar to the others in the aspect of Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is, is Bruce Willis's character, the main character. He's a psychologist, and he is helping a young uh, a, a young boy who is troubled. And apparently, the young boy is saying that he sees ghosts and whatnot. And it turns out, towards the end of the film, you actually find out that Bruce Willis's character uh, actually died in the beginning of the film. And turns out, he was actually the ghost that the kid was seeing this whole time. So sort of similar to the others in, in, in terms of the others, when I mentioned how the main characters we fall through the film, you eventually find out at the end of the film and the climax that they, excuse me, that they are actually uh, ghosts themselves. So I know a lot of you listening and watching are probably going to think that I've, I've missed out on a lot of details. That is true. Um, if I were to break down every minute detail, I'd be here for four hours and I got a lot of other stuff that I, a lot of other stuff I got to, you know, take care of as well. I'm um, in school, so, you know, I got a lot of, you know, assignments and things, things of that nature. But uh, don't worry, though, because this, like I said, this is a Halloween special part one. There's still much more for me to talk about. And then next week's episode, I'm actually going to continue. I got more lists, more topics, more discussions that we're going to have about other films that I haven't talked about yet. And then that will come out next week. So, 
I'm not going to, the conversation about Halloween isn't going to stop now. Uh, We're going to part two of the Halloween special, the final Halloween episode. That's going to be next week and I'll continue to talk about uh, more Halloween films and give my recommendations. Um, So I got the sixth sense at number two. I don't know why I did this too. (laughs) Number one. Now, number one was tough, but I went with The Shining. Now, I know a lot of people are probably going to be like, what about Friday Friday the 13th? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm personally not the biggest fan of Friday the 13th. I never really have been. I, I, I've only seen a couple of films. Obviously, I've seen the first one. Uh, I'm just, I don't know. I just, me personally, I, I wasn't really for me. So, I wasn't really the biggest fan of the, uh, of the Friday the 13th films. Uh, I really did like Nightmare on Elm Street. That almost made my list. Uh... But unfortunately, didn't make the cut. Uh, I think it was probably either between that or the original Halloween. Uh, and personally, I just feel like the original Halloween is a smidge bit better. Uh, anyways, back to The Shining. Shining is it, it's it, it's one of the best horror films of all time. And for some people, some people could even make the case it's one of the best films ever made. Period. You know, out of every genre. So. Uh, it, it, it's one of the best, sorry, it, I'm not saying it's the best horror movie of all time, but it's definitely up there. It's, it's well in that conversation. And I do think The Shining is one of the best films. Uh, like I said, to give a short little synopsis without going into every, you know, breaking down every single act of the film. Cause then at that point it's like, like, yes, I'm talking about spoilers, but if I break down every single minute detail, it's like, why would you even take the time to watch it in the first place, right? So I'll just go over the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the main gist of this film. So essentially, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, uh, he has been hired to essentially look after a uh, seasonal hotel. And the hotel is not um, is not open in the summer. Uh, it's, I think it's more or less like a ski resort or something of that nature. But anyways, he uh, t- him and his family are going to be essentially living in this empty hotel uh, and Jack Nicholson's character is being paid for. He's essentially just going to take, take, you know, look after everything, look after the maintenance and so on and so forth. Uh, but they inevitably, uh, well, more specifically, Jack Nicholson's character, he starts to experience extreme cabin fever. And throughout this whole time of him being uh, at this hotel with his family, uh, his family and his wife, uh, they're under the impression that Jack Nicholson is spending a lot of his time uh, writing and working on a book or a novel. Uh, it turns out he gets so fucked up and so crazy that Jack Nicholson's wife uh, takes a little peek at the work that he's done, and it's just the same sentence written over and over. I think it says something along the lines of, "All work, no, all work, all day makes Jack a dull boy," or something along those lines. So it turns out he's been spending the last like two months just going insane and just you know writing the same line over and over and over. He's not actually making a book. Uh, he's essentially just writing pages of the same, you know, whatever, eight words. Um, and he goes full on, just fucking loses his mind and tries to kill his wife. And inevitably, there's a maze outside the um, outside the hotel. And when Jack Nicholson is chasing after his wife, you know, with an axe, uh, here's Johnny. <laughs> um, while he's chasing after her with an axe, it's, uh, it's so cold outside that eventually she just, you know, outsmarts him and and, uh, and and her and Danny, the um, the younger son, eventually get away and Jack Nicholson's character freezes to death and dies. Um, 
It's a great film. I highly suggest you watch Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to that film, and it's uh, the, the character of Danny, which was his son at the time. He's all grown up. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a great film. Uh, it's got Ewan McGregor as Danny, and wonderful. It was absolutely fantastic, and highly suggest uh, you guys should check it out. So that is gonna wrap up episode six, part one of the Halloween special, and we got a lot more to talk about next week, and. I was thinking about actually having a Halloween episode on Halloween, but I just think that would sort of be counterintuitive because I want to get these episodes out prior to Halloween so that way you guys can listen and watch and if there happens to be a film on my list here that you guys have never seen, boom, you're going to be ready for Halloween and you got your movies all set up and uh, and good to go. So everybody, I think that's going to wrap up episode 6 of Unbashful episode, or episode 5 rather, uh, Scared Shitless is an understatement. And thank you all, as always, for taking the time to listen and watch. Um, I understand this podcast is not, it, it ain't shit yet. But for those of you that actually spend the time to listen and watch, and, you know, uh, I, I really do appreciate that. And also, as always, you know, thank you guys for, you know, some of you for reaching out and, and lending some very kind feedback and words. Uh, and I want to thank you all very much for the, uh, for the most recent support. All right, guys, I think I'm going to wrap up right there. I will see you on episode six.